Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaffit, along with... Artemis Brown. We're coming to you this week with episode 74, Artie. 74, Jacob Slavin. Now, I've heard that name. I've actually heard that name. You, you, you mentioned somebody I've actually heard of. The second C is for Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, honestly, one of the best defensemen in the league. Won the Lady Bean last year, only amassing two penalty minutes. And that penalty was for a puck over glass penalty. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the best shutdown defensemen in the NHL. And we're talking going against, like, the best players in the NHL, night in and night out. Mm-hmm. And only taking a two-minute penalty for deflecting the puck over the glass out of his, out of his own zone. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, overall, great guy. Um, so, yeah, shout out Jacob Slavin. Honestly, my favorite Hurricane right now. Um, easily, bar none, hands down, Jacob Slavin. But, Artie, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm doing I'm doing real good. It feels like I just saw you, like, yesterday. So Well, you basically <laughs> did. Uh, you, yeah. You basically did just see me. We, uh, I, we, we didn't even know we were going to be in the same place this weekend, and we right. ended up Spending pretty much the whole day together or yeah. all night together on um, Saturday night. Got to watch some of the ECU football game and mm-hmm. uh, also got to watch another great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, my go, Bravos, ahead, go, go ahead and tell the people. My Bravos, the Atlanta Braves, clinched a spot in, in the in the Fall Classic, the World Series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, all in all, like, already Saturday was a great day. I kept saying it. I mean, unfortunately, EC lost. They played better than everybody thought they would. Mm-hmm. They went to overtime, lost in overtime when they were two hundred or thirteen point dog in that game. Uh, I mean, NC State lost. Hurricanes won. Braves clinched a trip to the World Series. It can't get any better. Like, uh, the only way it could have gotten better is had ECU won. And I mean, and that that would have been perfect. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But there was a lot of good things to look at and say, okay, we could have won that ball game, and we'll we'll get into that here in a minute. But yeah, Saturday overall, I mean, it was the first time I think that I wasn't as disappointed when ECU lost, mainly because mainly because they, I mean, my Braves are going to the World Series, like right. When when your other team wins and, and does like does something that special, that's when, I mean, you're like, okay, you lost, but you you take it on the chin and and you go on about your day. So, um, yeah, Artie, let's uh, but before we get into the ECU, Houston talk, uh, there's been a bunch of moving parts going on in the past week or so. It's been wild, yeah. um, been kind of crazy how things have been going on in the world of college football and college athletics. Um, let's, let's go ahead and get into that. Um, we're talking, we're talking conference realignment already. The American athletic conference announced, I believe it was last Thursday, six teams count them. Six are now joining the American athletic Con- conference with the departure of Cincinnati, UCF and Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, already we're, we're bringing in rice, University of Alabama, uh, Birmingham, Charlotte, UTSA, that's University of Texas, San Antonio, Florida Atlantic University, and the University of Northern Texas or North Texas. I don't, 
I don't know if they have the same thing that we do about Eastern Carolina versus <laughs> East Carolina. Um, right. And honestly, I don't know whether they're North or Northern. Yeah. Um, you, really University of Northern shit. Texas. So, yeah. And did I miss one? No, no, I got them all. No, no, so, that's it. So yeah, six teams or six schools joining the American. Let, let's run through them real quick. I mean, Rice, which Rice just beat UAB. Like everybody's talking about Rice isn't a football school. They honestly beat the best team in Conference USA over the weekend. And that, that's UAB and another new conference. What Rice does bring to the table is, one, they're going to be the best outside of Navy maybe. They're going to be the best academic school in the conference. That, I, was just, always, I was just about to say that Rice is a very, you know, esteemed and established university. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's going to be big. You're going to keep the Houston market. While it may not be as big as Houston, I mean, the Houston Cougars don't even really draw that big of a market, like in, in the first place. So you're, you're not losing much. You're still you still have that TV market or you still have a, a say in that TV market. Um, so not a everybody's like, oh, the sky is falling. We're, we're adding rice. Well, yes, I'm not excited about playing rice in football every four years or every three years. I'm excited to have a team or a school that has that caliber of, of education coming into the conference. Cause outside of that, I mean, it's a bunch of, honestly, it's a bunch of party schools that, uh, that has a bunch of easy acceptance rates, just to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll even throw ECU in that. At some I was about point. to say, we, we went to one of those schools. So yeah, if we're being yeah, honest. Like, so I can't, I can't complain there. Um, your your take on rice? Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't get any big dogs um, out of out of this. You know, we're we're losing our heavy hitters, um, and we didn't really get any heavy hitters back in return. But I think the American did everything they could um, to try to salvage and and save face. Um, like you said, Rice is a very established and respectable university as far as the university goes. Now, athletics that's another story, but the university itself is very respectable. Um, UAB is a program that's building. I don't think UAB is going to get to the American and suck. I, th I think they're going to be a pretty decent program and they'll be able to compete. Charlotte is for the, the media and the, and the TV market and the TV money. That's why Charlotte's there. Charlotte is still, in my opinion, should be an FCS school. Um, but they're there. Um, you know, San Antonio is seven and oh, they're, they're ranked. I don't, I don't know if too many people know that, but San Antonio is ranked in the top 25, like right now. They're, they're the number 23 team in the country right now. Um, I don't, I, I didn't see that happening. I've never followed University of Texas, San Antonio, um, but they are a program that's good right now. Um, FAU, the only thing I know about FAU is Lane Kiffin and he's not there anymore. So that, that remains to be seen where they're going to be. Um, and then uh, what, what was that last one? North, North Texas. North Texas, yeah. North Texas is one of those teams that, you know, every, you know, once every five years, they, they, they put it together and have a team that can win nine, eight, eight to nine ball games. So, and, and North Texas, they are, I mean, you look at, while they're not getting the big name bowls, they are going bowling every single year pretty much. Yeah, they, they, that's not, a, that's not a bad football program. So, I mean, like I said, we didn't get any heavy hitters, but I don't think we got any scrubs either. Um, I, I think we, you know, we got the six teams that we could, you know, go out and get. And that's and that's what happened. I'm not excited about it, but I also I look at it from the positive. Now, ECU is in a great position because they have an opportunity now 
as a program that's building to truly dominate a conference, just like they did in Conference USA. They built a program and then they started to dominate Conference USA. That's the same thing we have to do with the American. They're building a program. Now we have to go out and dominate and, you know, put ourselves at the top three as the cream of the crop in the American so that when conference realignment happens again, we put ourselves in a position to get out of the American. But that's only going to happen if we dominate because now, you know, there, there, there's no excuse now. There is no Cincinnati or Houston or, or you know, um, UCF holding us back. You know, this is our conference to, to grab and take a hold of now. And I think we have to do that. So I'll look at it from the positive. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of negative you can take with this. But, Artie, I'm, I'm going to take the positive. You're not – I mean, we could be like Conference USA at this point. I mean, yeah. you look at Conference yeah. USA. Conference USA well, – it's, it's dead. Conference USA is going to be no more. Conference USA, the, the other quote-unquote G5, group of five conferences, are carrying the casket like we're Paul Bears because that's what's happened. Yeah. That, that conference is dead. But I, I want to go through it. I'm going I'm to go through it just like you did. Rice, we've already talked about them. Now, Rice is a very good baseball program. I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. It, we're going to have finally have some competition in baseball outside of Houston every four years um, and outside of UCF every couple of years. And I mean, USF is whatever, but we're going to finally have some baseball competition. This is going to be one of the be- better conferences in baseball um, now. Then, I mean, you look at North Texas. I mean, you're still you're getting you're getting those Texas TV markets. Right. I mean, I couldn't tell. I mean, I can tell you kind of where Denton was on a map. I believe it's in northeast Texas. But I mean, you're you're going to really have a stranglehold on that Dallas market with Texas, North Texas and SMU. Right. Right. So I, I do like that. I mean, we said, look, they're, they're going to be a six win ball team year in and year out. Granted, they're going to be playing a little bit better teams than what was in Conference USA. I mean, right now, I think you could take any team out of the American outside of maybe uh, Temple, and they'd all they'd all be six win teams in the conference, I, in my opinion. Right now, um, I, I feel like there's that the level of competition is still better in the American than it is in Conference USA. Um, for Atlantic, it it's cool. It, it's a good team to have. You, you get a second team in in Florida again. Um, with, with the departure of UCF, you're adding a team there. Um, and, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Boca Raton every once in a while? So. Exactly. I would not mind catching the game with Boca Raton. would not mind it at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that you got that. Looking at it, um, Charlotte here, – here's the thing about Charlotte. Charlotte is trying to – I think they're scaling way too quickly. Um, yes, and, 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 that's, of, and that's what I see. Like, Charlotte is – they they came it up. They didn't really play in FCS. I don't think they even played in FCS. They just went straight to FBS. And, I mean, they had a couple good seasons, but they're not they're not going to be a – they're not going to be a powerhouse, I don't think, ever in this conference. Now, granted, we saw it with Houston, right? We saw it with Houston. They leave, they leave the Big East, come to the American, and they kind of take, take hold. They're going to be – that's going to be one of the big. That's going to be the biggest TV market, quote unquote, in the conference. Now, outside of maybe Philly, right? I mean, and Temple. Temple is what Temple is. Temple should honestly leave and go to the Big East, but 
that's neither here nor there. They're not they're not leaving at this point. Um, they need to they need to do what UConn's doing and basically give up on football. Oh, no, the, uh, the, the Big East doesn't have a football conference anymore. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said Big East. I'm like, hold up, that's only basketball. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, I mean that that's what I'm thinking about. And then who who have I missed? No, I. Missed? I I will say one more thing about Charlotte. Because it is Charlotte, if you get the right coach and the right recruiting, and you can start to steal some of those four- and five-star guys, because there's a lot of studs that come out of Charlotte, a lot. And if you can maybe steal some of those guys and, and convince them to stay home, then maybe Charlotte is, is is competitive and they get really good because it is Charlotte. It is the biggest city in North Carolina. They do have all those studs coming out of Charlotte. But I don't, I don't see it happening. I, I mean – those studs are going to have to decide whether they want to play for Charlotte, for Charlotte or Alabama. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we're also, I mean, that's going to open up recruiting even more in Charlotte for us. I mean, the, the fact that you're going to get to go to your hometown and play year in and year out because they're going to be in the Eastern uh, Division. They're going to be in the right. East Division of, of the conference. I mean, with that, I, I'm looking at it as, okay, well, Charlotte, we're, you're going to get to go home and play in Charlotte. Plus, your family's going to get to come and watch you play here in Greenville every every weekend. So mm-hmm. you're going you're going to see your family a lot. You're going to come. Your girlfriend in Charlotte, she's going to be able to come to every game and see you uh, come home and get some home cooking and then uh, stomp on the 49ers' throats every year, right? You want to go to somewhere that has a history in North Carolina of football and be close to home and play in your hometown. Every other year, come come to Greenville. We'll 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 give you that. So that that's the one good thing about Charlotte is it will help us with recruiting. Um, I don't I don't think these players at Charlotte are going to want to go to Charlotte. They they just don't have the history. They don't have the um, right. notoriety at all. At least ECU does have that. They, at least ECU has history in football. Um, more history than. More history than most teams in the state outside of Carolina and, and NC State. Right. And I'd even argue we have better history than one of those programs in, in college football. So, um, so yeah, I mean, all good. UAB, I think UAB is it's a big school. It, you, you've got a – now you've got a natural travel partner um, with, like, Memphis. That's right down the road. Um, it's not – I mean, it's – Memphis was having to basically be the travel partner with, like – Houston or or um, Tulsa. Now they've got a they've got a team that's a little bit closer. Same thing with ECU and Charlotte. So it, it may it makes a bunch of sense um, regionality wise, but also the American has gone after a lot of the bigger markets in 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 the country that were available. Now I would have loved to see a team like Coastal come in. I would mm-hmm. love to see a school like Marshall. Yeah, I would have. I would have. I really thought we might have gotten Marshall. Honestly, I really thought that was gonna I, happen. I thought so too. I, I I thought we would go after the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt didn't want to come. Hey, that's all right. You can stay on the bottom as long as you want. This this is gonna the American Athletic Conference is still gonna have the best TV payout in all of college or in all of the G five. Right? right. I mean, and we're still getting paid out much more money than what the Mountain West, the second best G five conference, is. Getting paid out. I mean, we're we're making a good two million more per school over them, right? Every single year, and the new conferences coming in 
won't have they won't have the same fee or they won't have the same budget or the same income that we are getting right now because they know okay we're bringing these teams in but they're not going to they're not going to be on the same playing field as we are right now right and but they're going to be making more now than what they were making in conference USA so all in all everybody wins ECU is going to make the same amount that we were making as if UCF Cincinnati and Houston were still in this conference um, so now it's time to really put your money where your mouth is and go all in on your athletic programs and start providing the facilities that breed winning culture. And I was, I'm also going to throw in basketball in there too. We're not going to get be, be getting beat up all the time in basketball. We might have a, have a legitimate shot of winning a conference championship in basketball. So that's if we get better. I mean, you, you still got you still got schools like uh, you still got Wichita State. I know they're still, still up. Still got there. Wichita State. Still got Memphis. Uh, yeah. So, but hey, ECU beat the number five team in the country last year. So, th- there's that. Um, in front of nobody in Menzies Coliseum. Uh, Absolutely no one. <laughs> so, but yeah, Artie, it's uh, it's all good. Conference USA is dead. Next, we go after Sun Belt. Kill them. I mean. Eventually, eventually, you're gonna have. It, it's gonna. What this is gonna do is it's gonna make for better group of five football because you're gonna start scheduling better out of conference group of five. Right. Because you're not gonna be scheduling a conference USA team. You're gonna be scheduling a Sun Belt team every year or a Mountain West team every year um, to go along with your with your P5 out of conference schedule. So, I mean, the the more conferences we take down, the better. So, and there's going to be more realignment in the next five, 10 years. While, yes, it would have been great to be a part of this one. Guess what? If ECU can do what they need to do right now, ECU is going to be in a prime position to, to move up and move next, out. Yeah. Yep, to succeed in the next one. So, um, Artie, you got anything else on this? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I said my piece on it. So, all righty. Well, um, Talk a little bit about this ECU Houston game. ECU lost to in Houston um, on Saturday night, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. <laughs> tell after, the, tell like the people a, how long we had to wait for this game. Five hours it like, and it was like five hours and twenty eight minutes or something yeah, like that. Something like, like that. It was absolutely insane. Like <laughs> we honestly, Artie and I, we got to the we got to a bar and like we were like, wow, like. It's nine o'clock, ten o'clock, and we're able to put on this ECU football game, and it's still the first quarter. Right. And this game was supposed to be long over, supposed to be over two hours ago. Um, so yeah, it, it was wild. But um, Marty, yeah, ECU loses in overtime. Um, Thirty-one twenty-four was the score. So, what were your thoughts on, on this game? Yeah, I mean, second straight conference loss. Um, not ideal, but like I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, I thought the Houston trip was going to be a bump in the road. I didn't think we were going to go to Houston and win that football game. And we've been talking about this a long time. We don't, we haven't figured out how to win that close game yet. I didn't know that it was going to be as close as it was. I'm very proud of the effort, even after that five hour, five plus hour delay. I'm still very proud of the effort that we displayed in Houston. We went out there. This we were down 14 points late in that game, I think a little bit under seven minutes to go. We were down 14. 
Uh, we go down, we get a score, they fumble. We score immediately after that fumble, tie up the ball game, send it to overtime. Um, and then we all know what happened in overtime. They they score on their first possession, first play of their first possession. And then we fumble on our second play on, on our possession. Um, but I mean, we had a chance to win at a five and one, now six and one program in, in Houston. Took that game to overtime. I was proud of the effort. Now, you don't you don't take moral victories and losses. An L is an L. It's a loss. We're sitting at three and four. We have a lot more work to do. But it's the same thing I've been preaching the last couple of weeks. We are not a program that has figured out how to win that close game yet. We're not there yet. We couldn't do it against UCF. We couldn't do it against you know South Carolina. We couldn't do it against Houston. You know you're looking at a team. A lot of people saying we should be six and one. Yeah, we probably should be six and one. But we're not that program yet. And I just hope people understand that we're getting there. And I know three and four sucks and three and four. You are what your record says. We are three and four. We do need to start. Go ahead and getting the ball rolling. Hopefully that happens this Thursday night against a South Florida team that is not that good. But we're not that program yet that can walk into Houston and beat a good Houston team late into the fourth quarter in the overtime and, and walk away with a victory. We're just not there yet. We're close. We're right there at the door, but we're not there yet. Um, I was proud of the defense. I think the defense played well once again. That's been the story of our season. Our defense has played way better than anybody um, thought they were going to play. I think our offense did all right. We came out striking. I think we we were up 10-3. We scored first. Um, so, I mean, I was really happy with the way we started on offense. I'm going to blame the play calling once again. I, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick down the stretch, the play calling wasn't getting it done. Um, you do have to put some blame on him. You do have to put some blame on offense as well for not being able to, you know, produce more points late. But that's a good Houston defense. They're the fourth best, I think, rushing defense in the nation. They don't give up that many rushing yards. Uh, so they kind of neutralize our two-headed monster. And then we just couldn't get it going through the air like we wanted to. I know Holton threw for like 280 and two touchdowns, but it just wasn't enough to get the job done. But I am proud of the effort that we displayed on Saturday night, despite all the troubles beforehand and that long delay. Um, a loss is a loss, but I am proud of the effort. Yeah, I, I agree with all of what you just said. I, I think now that we're looking at being three and four, I mean, we should be a six and one team, if not five and two. You look at these losses, you've got a bunch of tough, tough, tough losses. Mm -hmm. I mean, against teams that really, like, we weren't, we had no business being in those games, really. Right. If, you, if you look at it before, if, if you take what, Las Vegas says, ECU, here, here's the best betting advice I can give to somebody this year. If it's a 13-point spread, take ECU to cover it. Because right now, ECU's doing that. If, if you, Against the spread, ECU's got to be, got to be, I would say, 6-1 and one against the spread. Um, maybe the only game they, if not 5-2, and two, I mean, I know they, they uh didn't beat the spread against Charleston Southern, but that that game was a wash anyway. So um, <laughs> we're just going to take the W on that game and not talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. So, but you you look at it and and ECU should have won that game. You think about it. Houston scores on Houston scores on a uh, a kick return. I mean, you right. don't see that often. You think about that defense played lights out. Bend but don't break. The only time they broke really for a big play was that was that touchdown uh, to start overtime. Now, right. 
And I think ECU would have had a shot, but uh, then you have you have a I don't know if they considered it a fumble or an incomplete pass um, or an interception. Uh, excuse me, uh, in overtime for ECU, but you have a turnover on what was it, second or third down in overtime, and that seals the deal. I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but that that's just kind of what happens. And like you said, he. Houston's rush defense, they held us to, I believe, 82 yards total um, on the ground. ECU, we've said it all year long, and Coach Houston has said it as well. If ECU is going to be good, and if we're going to win ballgames, we're going to have a very balanced attack. So we're talking, if Holden Aylers is putting up 200 yards through the air, guess what? Our two-headed monster at running back needs to be putting up 200 yards on the ground. So we didn't have that. Now. I want to give a shout-out. Tyler Sneed, seven receptions, 114 yards yep. receiving. I mean, he, he balled out. Out, out Matosho, there doing Sneed things. Audio Matosha, four, four receptions, I believe, had a touchdown. Big touchdown catch. To, I believe it was his touchdown that tied the game up or, um, or got us within a, a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, there, there was good things that happened on offense, but – at this point in the season, I've seen enough. I'm ready to start the fire Donnie Kirkpatrick train. Like, he, we need better play calling. Go get somebody else, uh, another offensive coordinator, and bring him in because he's not getting the job done. The, the the prime example is our defense only gave up 17 points in regulation. You take away that special teams kickoff return, they gave up 17 points in regulation. If you cannot respect your defense enough to go out and put up more than 17 points, I mean, come on. Like, that, that, is, that is directly on the play calling and the offensive game plan because we have, we have now seen a defense that is accustomed to giving up 41 to 50 points a game, now holding good teams, not scrubs, not bad teams. We're talking about bowl-eligible good teams with still a chance to win the American this year in Houston. We're holding these teams to 17 points in regulation. So none of this is on defense. This is strictly offense. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the thing with the offense is I, I, I fully expect this offense to come out this weekend and put on a light show. But I have a feeling they're going to light USF up. Um, it, now, I've been wrong, but I, I just – I have that feeling. The way that they've lost the last two games, I think, I think that something's going to change. Now – I don't know what you do at offensive coordinator, but something's got to be done. Something mm-hmm. has to be done. I am tired of watching this team ball out, like you said, the defense ball out week in and week out and and lose close ball games because we can't score. We can't we we can't start a drive and know that okay, we're going to probably not get points on the board this drive. I mean, you should be scoring on at least 50% of your drives and I don't think ECU is anywhere near that. Um, at this point in the season, and, and he doesn't adapt to me. Like the the play calling is not adaptable. He it's we stick to a game plan and that's it. But we have to learn how to make adjustments and adapt to each and every single team that we play. It can't just be the same script every single week. Sometimes that does not help. I I, I get it that it's a good script and it should work, but sometimes it don't work out the way you want it to. You have to be able to make adjustments and adapt. And I feel like I have not seen that all season. You, if you play the, that type of game against a team like Navy, where you you may get two possessions of half, 
Right. I mean, a, te- a team that holds the ball, you better freaking score. I mean, you look Cincinnati, they, they lost to Cincinnati by a touchdown. And that's because Navy is so good. Their, their best defense is their offense. Is their offense, yeah. They They're going to keep the ball eight, nine, ten minutes. Yeah, every, every single down or every single drive. So you've got to give your, your defense an opportunity to get off the field and have some sustainable drives. If ECU doesn't do that, ECU, uh, I don't want to look ahead to Navy, but that this is all to say that's how you lose the Navy. Because mm-hmm. you can't sustain drives. And ECU hasn't been able to sustain drives this year at all. They did a better job of sustaining drives last year. And this year it's like, okay, we might get to the 50. If we get to the 50, great. Now we're playing to at least get a field goal, to get a field goal range. And it's, it's, it's like – it's like our, our our best punch is usually the first drive of the game or the second drive of the game. We can score on anybody on the first drive of the game, and then we fizzle out. You know, we 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 score early, we get an early lead, and then it fizzles out. It's like we it's like we put everything on that first drive, and then we got nothing left for the rest of the game. And it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so ready for uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick not to be employed by East Carolina University anymore. Um, that's just. That's just how I feel. It's nothing against the guy. He's a great guy. I love talking to him. He's, he's a great interview. But he's just – he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it to, to be the offensive coordinator at this level at ECU. I mean, you're playing against some of the top defenses in the country, top 50 defenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Week in and week out, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, even Memphis, they're all really good defenses. So you've got to find a way to go in there and and make noise. So, I mean, it's his play calling that has cost ECU some games this year. Um, now, I mean, that and clock management. But I, at this point, I'm not putting it on. I'm not putting it on Aylers either because Aylers, at this point, I mean, he's 23 for 37. This past weekend with two touchdowns uh, and 278 yards. I was about to say, and almost 300 yards passing. So, I mean, he didn't play bad. <laughs> he didn't play no. bad at all. And how many yards – he had – let's see, how many yards rushing did he have? He had uh, – uh, give me a second. I'm pulling it up. Stat. I mean, this year, rushing – he already has more yards rushing than he did last year, for one. Um Sorry, let's see. Anyway, he, I mean, he, I saw him. He, he broke off a couple plays for a good 13 yards, but he's still taking sacks because they're not allowing him to do what he needs to do and use his legs. He, we said it last week. The reason he takes so many sacks is not really so much on the offensive line. Yeah, that's part of it. But the, you can only have the offensive line block for so long. You have to be able to get out of the pocket and get downfield somehow, whether it's using your arm or whether it's using your legs. And right now, this ECU coaching staff does not want Holton running the ball as much as, as he did in the past. And that's unfortunate because that, that's what we need. We need yeah. him to be able to kind of lay it all out on the line and, and go for it. So, Artie, uh, I mean, I don't have anything else about Houston. Fire Donnie Kirkpatrick into the sun. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're on the we're on the South Florida. That, that's all I got to say now. We're on the South. I Florida. mean, 
Clayton Toon is one of the best uh, one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. ECU held him to under 189 yards. Uh, Alan McCaskill, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, held him to 60 yards rushing. I mean, overall, ECU held them to like 250 yards, something some insane like that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 256 yards. We outgained them by 100 yards, and we lost this game. And and I don't I don't want people to think that we're out here proclaiming ECU's defense to be great. We don't have a great defense, but what we're saying is we have a defense that is at the very least keeping us in ball games. They are they are single handedly keeping us in these contests because we can't really get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And it's just ironic because the offense was supposed to be the explosive, like name catching, eye popping thing this year, and our defense was supposed to be the ones that were going to help us lose ball games. Instead, they're trying to help us win ball games and we're still not winning. So all right. Well Artie, let's uh let's send it over to our interview. We got Seth coming on from the Daily Stampede uh from SB Nation. Um they, he writes for U, the USF blog um at SB Nation, the Daily Stampede. So um let's throw it over to Seth and uh break down this ECU USF football game coming up on Thursday night. Under the lights, blackout game. Blackout, baby. Blackout. This week we're pleased to be joined by uh, none other than Seth Varnador from the Daily Stampede covering the USF Bulls for for, uh, SB Nation. So, uh, yeah, Seth, uh, we're glad to have you on. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys tonight? We're good. we're chilling. We're we're doing pretty good. Uh, just finishing up recording. We're recording on a different night. We're usually recording on Tuesdays or Thursdays, and and now we're here on Monday night. It's a short week. The quick turnaround's got everybody's schedule messed up. It seems like so. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, USF bull team. Yeah, I, they got. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard they've got their they got their first win over a FBS school in uh, about two seasons last week against Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd been close a few times uh, last year. Uh, they were close against Temple, had lead late. I think Memphis, same thing, had a lead for most of the game and lost it. A lot better team this year, though, even though the record is kind of marginally better. Uh, a lot better, kind of finding more of an identity. Offensively, uh, that's kind of where the biggest improvement has been. Um, freshman quarterback Timmy McLean's, uh, uh he has his freshman moments, but he also has flashes of brilliance. He's really really talented but he's young so it's kind of ebbs and flows with him a little bit um got some got a really good running back room um receivers are pretty pretty solid the offensive line's experience so the offense is definitely the strength of the team defensively you had some guys coming back off of a unit that kind of underperformed last year but they had a lot of um i know you guys may remember or not there was a lot of covid stuff last year with them where, where their guys would get pulled out they they were you know, at one point during the season, they were practicing with less than 70 guys, like all included everybody, walk-ons, everything. They could barely field two teams to practice. So last year was tough. Defense brought a lot of those guys back, and this year's kind of been a little bit more the same. You've had a lot of injuries. They brought in like four transfers in the defensive backfield, and at one point during the season, all four of them were injured. So you're kind of back to the square one there. Um, but they're starting to get some of those guys back healthy. 
Last week was their best defensive performance in, in quite a while. Um, I'm not sure if that'll carry forward or not, but they have some momentum at least. And and so they're everyone's feeling pretty good about themselves down in Tampa. Gotcha. You know, South Florida, like like ECU, is a program that is obviously building, trying to get back on track. Where do you see this program going as of right now? Do you, is it getting better, or do you think it's getting slightly worse in your honest opinion? I think it's getting better. It was the, the last staff um, – uh, Coach Strong and, and the group he had brought with him initially, I think some of the guys he brought in late were not included in this. But they did not really put – it didn't seem like a ton of they, – they didn't live to recruit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that kind of co- cost them and, and bit them in the butt at the end there. And, and you came into last year, uh, Jeff Scott's first year, and you've seen a ton of roster turnover since that season. He's brought a ton of guys in, transfers. We've had a, They've had a good lot, ton of guys leave. Uh, through the portal, um, and then, but this group is recruiting a lot better. I think they're really doing a good job in the transfer portal, and, and so I think they're on the right track and they're making progress. It's just it's kind of slow because they were really down in kind of a deep pit there mm-hmm. in terms of like overall roster talent and really like depth. They had, they had some talented guys, but the depth wasn't quite there. Got you. Now, I mean USF, they they put a, a pretty tough schedule. Um, yeah for the most part this year. I mean, you're looking at road trip to NC State, home game against Florida, uh, travel to Provo, Utah to play BYU. I mean, that, that's a pretty tough non-conference slate, probably one of the toughest in, in the conference outside of maybe Cincinnati. Um, how, how do you think that has prepared them for where they are at this point in the season? I think, like, uh, the road trips probably help them for, you know, they'll have some experience, at least when they come out into what I'm sure will be a hostile environment on Thursday. Um, you know, they they went on the road, like you said, to NC State. They went on the road to Utah, played at Elevation, went on the road to SMU already this year. So they've been road tested, and and the first one didn't go so well, but the other two are kind of got a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. So they got that kind of experience. And then, you know, they've played some pretty talented teams, so I think that kind of let them know kind of what their level was and where kind of what this team did best because you got to test it against some really good teams. And they could take what they did well against those teams and kind of mold the team into those kind of into that kind of way. So I, I think it's helpful. Obviously, it's tough at the time, but as the season goes, I think they're looking back on it and gaining some lessons from it. Gotcha. Now, conference realignment, that is something that has dominated the sport over the last few months. Where does USF fit in to what is now the new American Athletic Conference? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think. I think they're in a good spot just because, you know, I, I think they've got a good head coach in place and they've got some people right now in the athletic department that are at least committed to football. Um, they're still in the process of finding a new president. So that'll kind of probably do go a long way towards how successful they are in football. Um, I've been covering the team last three years since Charlie Strong's last year, but other guys at the site and around the site have been covering them for a lot longer. And, and they keep saying that the buy-in has not always been there from the administration side to really commit to football. It seems like they're turning a corner. And I think if they do turn that corner and really commit, you have obviously a lot of natural resources there. And they're starting to put in the other resources where they're, where they're building the indoor practice facility. There's talk. There's For the first time ever, there's actual talk of putting a stadium on campus and people are putting their real names to it and not just floating ideas out to the media they're, they're talking about it in press conferences and things like that so if they make that commitment i think they're going to be in a really good shape uh but 
you know, as, as those guys will tell you, they've said they're going to make a commitment before and they haven't. So it's kind of like uh, there's a lot of a lot of people are a little wounded and they got to see it before they believe it. Now, you, you talk about, I mean, Charlie Strong, he, he didn't have the best track record at, at South Florida. Uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about um, what, what Coach Scott's doing at USF and how, I mean, you've already kind of talked about the recruiting, but how he's changed the, the program and maybe the culture? Well, I think the, the biggest thing kind of just outside of football is that he's really active. Um, not only, and this is a, this is kind of a job where you have to be pretty active in terms of your donor base and in, in kind of the high school recruiting world, he's been really active. I know just in terms of recruiting, I know you kind of want to talk about other, but just in terms of recruiting, I I'm friendly with a, with a lot of high school coaches in the state. I used to coach high school and college football. So I'm friendly with a lot of guys and I would ask them about the staff that coach strong had and the, and one guy I spoke with the recruiter, and this is a team that puts out kind of Division One guys every year. The recruiter for his school, he hadn't seen him, and he hadn't seen anybody from USF in over a year at one point. Wow. Scott has got those, and they're within forty-five minutes of the school. They're within an hour of the school, so it's not a not but long of a drive, and it's a pretty talent-rich area. So Scott's done a really good job with that. He's got those guys locked in on those local. Every every school within an hour has a dedicated coach, and if he's not calling them every week, he gets on them. So on the recruiting side, just a kind of really good plan and executing it. On the donor side, he's really going after donors. He's going out of his way to talk to them. And from my understanding, Charlie Strong really wasn't interested in doing all that. By the time he got to USF, he'd kind of – he was probably tired of having to kiss butt at Texas a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he came to USF, and he's probably like, all right, I'm just trying to get settled in here. But they need that kind of guy to go out and really talk to people get the money involved in the program and reach out to some of these people that have lapsed a little bit. So he's doing a really good job there. And I think those seem to be, especially from guys that have covered the program for a long time, those are the, really the two areas that if you can get somebody to excel there, you can really take this program to the next level. And he seems to be doing a pretty good job there. Uh, And then culturally, uh, I think this last year was definitely a, a great stress test for culture. And I think they've kind of figured out the guys that, bought in last year, stayed. The guys that didn't have left and gone other places. And they seem to be in a pretty good place this year. Um, you kind of see even through the struggles, the guys were still playing hard every game and, and seemed to have pretty good attitude, even after some tough losses. Uh, like the Tulsa loss we, week before, came back and played Temple really well. So I think the culture is moving in the right direction as well. Now, you know, speaking of this week's matchup, what are some things that South Florida needs to do to go into Dowdy Ficklin and walk away with a win? Well, I mean, they're they're gonna. Uh, the interesting thing for them is uh, the health of Timmy McLean. He kind of got he, he had a lineman land on his leg late in the first half. They basically felt like they didn't need to play him the second half because they were able to run the ball at will, basically. So they mm-hmm. we can put somebody else in to hand the ball off. Is what Jeff Scott said in so many words after the game. So um, offensively for them, it, it's going to be. Uh, you know, just from what I've seen and the numbers I've looked at, ECU seems to have a pretty uh, – they don't seem to be better at one or the other. They seem to be pretty good defending run and pass. So uh, they're going to have to be able to do more than just run the ball offensively, I think. If, if you can kind of get them one-dimensional, it's going to be tough for them. So if they can kind of mix it up, mix some play-action stuff in there. And then defensively, they're going to have to kind of bring the same energy they brought last week. They They have not played really well defensively this year. Some of it's been depth issues. Some of it's been 
early, the offense couldn't stay on the field against those really good teams. So the defense just got worn out. Last week, we saw the offense really control the ball, and the defense played much better, not having to dip in that depth. So it'll be kind of really, can they get off the field on defense and kind of mm-hmm. stay fresh? If not, I think it's going to be a tough test. And it's I think it's going to be a tough test for them defensively regardless. But their best chance is getting off the field early, uh, maybe hoping the offense can get up a little bit and then, and then maybe get East Carolina to be a little more one-dimensional so it's easier to attack. Now, I see like Timmy McLean, freshman quarterback, has a thousand yards rushing this year. I mean, what what's uh what's going on with that offense there? So they're trying to be a lot of RPO stuff. So uh, they're putting a lot on the quarterback in terms of reads. They're starting to mix in some more uh, kind of spread run stuff, some real um, different options, not just zone read, but some different things there. Speed options, some other kind of stuff. Um, but they're they're definitely based on the run game, uh, and probably going to be a heavy play action team, I'd imagine. That it seems at times they've gone away from the run. Uh, I, th- I thought against Tulsa at times they went away from the run, but again, a lot of their stuff is uh, at least that week was run pass option. So the quarterback would pull it for the pass, and then the way Tulsa plays defense, they're kind of moving targets a lot, and they're kind of doing some different stuff. So he'd pull it to throw it, and the throw wouldn't be there, and then. He's a freshman, so he's not quite sure what to do. So he'd scramble, get a couple yards, but um, probably would have been better just handing the ball off. So I, I think they're going to try to be heavy RPO, give the quarterback some easy throws, or give them some light boxes to run into, and then take some shots on play action. That's kind of where the bread and butter is. And if they haven't really put a full game together, running and passing, um, if they do that, they can be pretty good because they've got some talented skill players. But they haven't quite put that together yet. I don't know if that's going to be this week or not. Now, you know, USF is a team that's not getting a lot of attention right now. Um, but who is a guy or a couple of guys that deserves some love on that roster? Well, offensively, I think a lot of people will talk about McLean just because he's a freshman. But they've got three running backs that are all pretty talented guys. You got Jaron Mangum, who has 12 touchdowns on the year. <laughs> he's a bit of a, uh, a touchdown vulture. He's got a lot of one- and two-yard touchdowns. He's a big, strong dude, but he's got really good feet. He's a transfer from Colorado, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, I think he's a four-star guy out of high school, pretty good player out of Detroit. Uh, Brian Petit is another uh, tailback. He's a smaller, kind of quicker guy. Uh, and um, Kelly Joyner is another tailback. Those are That's kind of the three-headed monster they got back there, all a little bit different. Joyner and Petit are smaller. Um, guys are a little bit quicker, but they're pretty tough. And then uh, – at receiver, Xavier Weaver's a guy that's made plays every week he's played. They had him out last week with a – they get a tight hamstring, uh, but I think that he could have gone if they felt like they needed him, but they thought they were going to be able to run the ball pretty well. So those are kind of the guys that have made a lot of plays this year offensively for USF. Got you. Now, ECU – I mean, we, we were just talking about ECU not, uh, not really having the best performance offensively um, so far this year, but there's a lot of skilled players on the offensive side of the ball for ECU. Is there one guy that stands out to you that um, USF needs to really uh, target as, as a shutdown guy? I don't know. I haven't I haven't really been able to watch enough ECU to really kind of get one. I know the quarterback can present some problems when he's on um, just because he's a guy that doesn't – he's not a slug back there. He's got a little athleticism to him. And when he's on, he can make some tough throws. You know, this game – 
the last two years has been so bizarre. Mm -hmm. um, you know, two years ago, USF comes in and, and has like the their their best rushing game of the season uh, in a game I thought was going to be pretty tight. And then last year, again, I thought a game was going to be tight, and ECU just bowled them off the ball. So <laughs> this has been a really odd game the last couple seasons. Uh, but I, I don't know one specific guy. USF's had problems. Um, they, they, they've gotten beat deep a little bit this season on play action. Their guys have not held up great in one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside. So, you know, you guys know your personnel pretty well. If you got a, a big-time receiver, might be able to go get it off some play action. That could pose some problems. But I'm not sure exactly how they're going to want to play. That, that Part of that was because they had some guys hurt, but they had a couple guys back last week and still got beat over the top. So, you know, it, they're, they're susceptible to some deep passes, I think. Now, if you had to give a, a final prediction for this game on outcome, how do you think this game is going to finish when it's all said and done? I would think it's going to be um, – I don't think it's going to be crazy high scoring, but I, I would think mm -hmm. it's going to probably – I think the winner is probably going to have to be in the 30s, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I heard your guy. I heard your guys' kind of predictions. I think you guys probably aren't too far off. Um, crazy the line's already jumped that much. From I know open like six and a half and it's already at nine. You said that's yeah. Yep. So I I I think that's probably in the right area there. Going on the road, you know I, I'm not sure if the defense will travel for USF yet. I, I kind of want to see it a couple weeks in a row. Um, but but they play hard, so I you know I think you're probably close with your score. What'd you say? Did you say 31 27 or something to that? Yeah, effect? yeah, 30 30 27. I, th mm -hmm. I think you I think that might be pretty close to it. Um, it seems like going on the road this year in conference has been tough for the road teams. Um, so I, I think it'll be tough to go on the road on a short week. But um, I know USF's hoping that that crazy delay you guys had kind of evens things out a little bit. But <laughs> still being at home, being sleeping in your own bed, all that kind of good stuff is good for at least a few points. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's all I got. Seth, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find your stuff? Yeah, I'm at Seth Varnador on Twitter. No spaces, just my full name. Uh, I think the Daily Stampede, we do um, at Stampede SBN. We we live stream our uh, podcast, and then every week we do a film room. Mm -hmm. So maybe not super interesting to you guys this week unless you want to see what USF looks like going in. But next week we'll be breaking down the previous game. So we, we do that every week, uh, and we stream that. And then it also goes to our YouTube page. So you can find stuff there. But, uh, yeah, you find us on Twitter at Stampede SBN. That's probably the best spot. And you can see all the podcasts and the uh, film room and stuff there. And then the dailystampede.com if you want to read the previews and write-ups and things like that. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Seth, thank you for, for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. It was a real pleasure um, talking to you. Tell Nate uh, the, to stop dodging me. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have him on. Like I said, he – he, he talked a lot of smack in, in one of our last podcasts a couple weeks ago. So um, I'll let him. I'll let him know you're looking for him. <laughs> yeah, come, come baseball season, I want him on here. I want, I want him to to eat crust. He might be ready by baseball season. They, they had a good finish there last year, so I think they're feeling pretty good. Sounds good. Well, Seth, you, you have a good night and uh, best of luck to y'all the rest of the season. All right, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Appreciate it. Once again, that was Seth from the Daily Stampede uh, joining us this week on the Boneyard Podcast. Shout out to him. Um, yeah, I mean, already, 
I'm excited about this game. I think ECU is going to have a, a good opportunity to uh, get back to four and four, get back to the level um, before you really go into some of your easiest stretch with, with Temple and Navy coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on this game right now? Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm being honest with you, it's is it's South Florida, and then we have who do we have after? Is it Navy or is it Temple? It's Temple. So it's South Florida, Temple, then Navy. Yep. Yeah. The, to me, so South Florida, Temple, Memphis, then Navy. Okay. So to me, the next three out of the four games are must wins. And what I say about it, South Florida is a must win. Temple is a must win. Navy is a must win. We got to beat those teams. Those teams are not good teams. I, I know we talked about Navy a little bit and how that could be a headache. Navy's a headache for anybody. But at the end of the day, you should still win that ball game. Getting six wins, becoming bowl eligible, that's still very much on the table. But I do not see us beating Memphis at this point. Um, we are not going to beat Cincinnati. I, I want people to go ahead and get that dream out of your head. It's not going to happen. Cincinnati's way too good. The only thing that we can hope for is that we are competitive against Cincinnati. That's the only thing we can hope for. Temple, USF, Navy. To me, those are the three must wins left on our schedule. And we've got to get it done this Thursday night. We got to get back to four and four. We got to get some more confidence back. We won three straight. Now we've lost two straight. This looks like a team of runs this season. We need to start getting back on a little bit of a run, a positive run. I think that starts this Thursday night. South Florida, they've got nothing to lose. They're going to come out swinging. Why, why shouldn't they? They're, they're going to they're going to throw everything at us. They're going to throw the whole bag at us, um, and, and they should and they will. So it's not like South Florida is going to you know just roll over and quit and die. You know we're still going to have to come out and play a competitive ball game. But this is a must win. It's South Florida. They're not a good football team. This is one of those teams as a as a program that is building and trying to get better. You don't lose to South Florida, not at home. You beat you win these games. So it, it, it's simple to me. This this is a game we got to win. And I would love to see us actually come out kind of like Tulane and kind of make a statement, like win this game by a lot. But honestly, win this like come out in the first. We'll, we're going to talk more about it here in a little bit when we do our betting lines. But mm -hmm. when this come out, put up thirty points on the board by halftime. That way, everybody that's at the game, honestly, we all know what's going to happen. Halftime, everybody's going to head out. Yeah, they're going to dip out. It's, it's it's Halloween weekend. It's Halloween weekend in Greenville. We know what's going to happen. Right. But show up to see this game and at least put up a good showing for for the TV cameras uh, to to start to start the to start the game um, on ESPN this weekend. So, Artie. Um, Real quick, uh, breaking news: Jacob Slavin, the the highlight of our show, I, I shouted him out because he only had two penalty minutes last year. Yeah. Well, he just took a he just took a penalty for uh for holding. It looks like um and in this game, it's his first penalty of the year. Um, so yeah, the the Jared curse lives on. It lives um, on. Black cat Jared. Yep. Well, Artie, uh, let's do let's do walk the plank. How's that sound? Let's do it. You gonna walk the plank? I, man, I had one. I lost it. Hold on. You go. You go with yours because I did have one and I lost it. I, I got think two. About it. I got two. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. This one, real easy. Real, real easy. Dodgers, your fans, your city. You said there was no shot. 
And my bravos, we're going to take your ass down. And guess what? Chop on, baby. <laughs> who'd, you, who'd you shout out? Who'd you shout out in the tweet, Jared? Bill Plasky. Bill freaking Plasky. The, the guy that I did my walk the plank on last week. Yep. Shouted it out. Uh, sent him a picture of of a updated Hollywood sign. Um, go check that out at Jared underscore Shaffit on Twitter. Yeah, Artie, what's yours? You know what? I, and I just remembered it. It was Donnie Kirkpatrick. Donnie, Donnie Kirkpatrick was going to be my walk the plank, but we already talked about him. So I, I got nothing left to add on on Donnie. Donnie knows what what he's doing wrong. Donnie Kirkpatrick walked the damn plate. All right, and my second this week, Artie, I talked about how great my weekend was. It got even better yesterday. Okay. All right. I was a 40-point underdog in fantasy football. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I had how how three, could I forget this, man? I had three starters on bye week. Okay, but you still had a good team, though. I, yeah, because I'm I'm the best player in our league. I got Christian McCaffrey out. I've had him out yeah. last month. I'm six and one. I'm it's six okay. and one. That's all right. That's all the only good. week I Look, lost was the week he went down. I I had Jonathan Taylor. He did all right. Kyler Murray did all right. Leonard Fournette did all right. I had Tyreek Hill with less than ten points. Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs were like complete dog shit yesterday. I can't help that. T Higgins, he might be a bust. Um, my defense sucked. My kicker sucked. My tight end sucked yesterday. So yeah, it was just it was it was a bad day. It was an off day for me. All right, it was an off day, but it's okay. I mean, I let's see. Right now, my second wide receiver has zero points, and I'm still going to beat you by twenty. The, like, the game just started. <laughs> it's the first quarter. Yeah, I'm still going to beat you by twenty. You have nobody playing. I know I have nobody playing, Jared. I I get that. I get it. I get it. These things happen in fantasy football. All right. I'm still gonna make the playoffs. I don't give a damn. Yeah. And then you're gonna have to walk into a into a bus saw called Elon Frisky. <laughs> I have I have all the confidence in the world in Joanne Manic, all right? All the confidence. Don't we all? <laughs> the listeners are probably like, who the hell is Joanne Manic? But Artie, walk the damn plank. You you uh you uh you took a you took a hard L this week. I took an L this uh, week. Yeah. I like honestly, I was I was telling myself all week, like, I've got so many players on bye. I mean, we're talking Adam oh. Thielen, Chase Claypool, James Robinson, like all on I was I was expecting to beat you by twenty. I thought I was gonna beat you by at least twenty. I really yeah. did. I hey, I thought I was thinking I was I'm gonna be lucky to lose by ten. Like, and then I'd beat you by 20. And okay. honestly, with, okay. with all those guys on by, I still had the second highest points this week in our league. Yeah. So if you need help with fantasy, call your boy. I'm always at the top. <laughs> always at the top. So, Artie, walk the plank. Um, let, let's go into some uh, Let's go into some betting lines. Let's do it. All right. Week nine of college football. Um we got some we got some good games on the docket, I believe. Um You better mention the one I'm thinking about too. Oh, I know. I know. We'll uh I we we start out with that one, okay? 
Got two got two seven and teams. East Lansing, Michigan. Michigan versus Michigan State. It's gonna be a college game day game of the week. I mean, this is a I mean, this is a big one. I mean, this has we're talking college football playoff implications. Mm-hmm. Michigan wins this ball game in East Lansing. You gotta think that they're there. You gotta think that they jump into the top five, top four. Um probably get in hopefully when when ECU beat Cincinnati on November 26th. Um, so, Artie, the over uh, – let's see, the, the line, Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road um, at Michigan State. The over-under is 51. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to say Michigan State covers. Michigan wins the game. So, I'm thinking – Michigan wins by a field goal in this okay. game. This is this is prime time game of the week. You got number six versus number eight in East Lansing. I, I don't remember the last time Michigan played Michigan State, and it's been this high, you know, quality of a matchup with two top ten teams. You're more than halfway through the season, and the winner of this game is really going to put themselves in a the driver's seat to make the playoff and get to the Big Ten championship game. As a Michigan fan. I am prone to disappointment. I'm used to it. So Michigan State beating us on Saturday night is not like I'm not going to go cry river about it because, like I said, I, I I understand disappointment in Ann Arbor. But this is a good Michigan football team. I have not been able to say that for a long time. This is a really, really good Michigan football team. Because Michigan State is good, too, and I got I got to give them their credit. I will take the over. I think there's going to be some fireworks in this game. I think both play callers – on both sides are gonna gonna gonna, gonna pull some stuff out because it's a rivalry game. We don't like each other. Um, Michigan State is a little brother. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Michigan State's a little bro, but give me give me the over. Um, like you said, I I do think Michigan State covers the spread. Give me Michigan by six. I think I think we we win by a, a late touchdown. It's gonna be tied late into the fourth quarter, and we get a game winning touchdown within the last minute. All right, so um, we both have Michigan winning that football game. Um, let's see here. Another here's an interesting game: SEC, Ole Miss on the road, Auburn. I mean, this game. You want to talk about another another crazy um, SEC game? We're talking a six and one Ole Miss, Blaine Kiffin on the road at Auburn. Auburn's a two and a half point favorite, so it's pretty much a push. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna take Auburn in this game. Um, I, I think being at home, and I mean, I, I think that's gonna play a big factor for this game. Um, over under 66. I'm probably I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take the over. I think this game's gonna be like a a 40 to 40 to um, 35 game, something like that, and it's going to be it's going to be a shootout till the end. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Auburn in my opinion is the best two-loss team in the country, and I think Ole Miss is the best one-loss team in the country in my honest opinion. Uh this Over is going to be a good Alabama. one. This this is going to be a good one. Oh, I okay, I forgot Alabama had a, had a loss. Okay, it's Alabama then it goes Ole Miss because Ole Miss lost to Alabama. So they're the second best one-loss team in the country. I didn't forget about Alabama. But I I think it's going to be a good game. Take the over for sure. There's going to be a lot of points scored. Watch for the upset. Auburn can win this game. I know they're favored, but I know many people around the nation expect Ole Miss to probably win this game. Auburn can absolutely win this football game. It's going to be a good one. 
I got Ole Miss, though. I do, I do think Ole Miss wins. All right. An, another good game from the SEC. Kentucky going down to Mississippi State. I mean, you got mm. you got six and one Kentucky, who is number twelve in the country, only a one point favorite at Mississippi State. All right. Here's my thinking. I think Mississippi State wins this ball game. Really? Yes. I, I just I feel like this is a game that Kentucky. I, it just has the makings of a game that Kentucky will lose. Um, they lost to Georgia, I believe it was. Yeah, they lost to Georgia a couple weeks ago. Um, I think that they go into Starkville, and I mean I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before, but I think Kentucky loses this football game in Starkville. Um, more cowbell, please. No, I I completely disagree. Kentucky's one loss is to a team that, in my opinion, is going to win the national championship game, Um, the best team in the country in Georgia. And, by the way, they put up the most points anybody has scored on Georgia all season. Now, it took them all four quarters to do, but they put up 13 on Georgia's defense, and that's a Georgia defense that could go down historically as one of the great college football defenses ever. So, no, Kentucky's not losing the SIP. They're They're not losing to Mississippi State. It, it, that's not going to happen. I don't. I don't see it happening. Honestly, now I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I've I've made these predicaments and, and these predictions, and I've been wrong before. But I don't. I don't see Kentucky losing to Mississippi State. I really don't. I, I could see Kentucky winning this game by two or three plus touchdowns. Yeah, I. I just. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. Um, I just, for some reason I do. Um, it, it's. It's, it's always the odd test for me. I mean, you're, you're looking at a Mississippi State team, a 4-3 and three team. They're not bad. I mean, they, they have a loss. They're, they're not bad, but but they lose to good teams. Yeah, right. And, I mean, their worst loss is to Memphis. Uh, they beat NC State earlier this year. Almost almost beat Texas A&M. Um, got blown out a couple weeks ago by Alabama. Like, really, they've played in a bunch of close games and won the games that they were supposed to win outside of the Memphis game, which you could say they got hosed on that on that game. I mean, there's a bunch of – that was the infamous game where the SEC wrote a letter about how terrible they, they the officials were. Yeah. And it was their own officials. Um, so, yeah. All right, Artie, uh, last one before we head into uh, head into our East Carolina football game. Uh, SMU on the road at Houston, number 19 SMU going into TDECU Stadium in Houston, the stadium that just got flooded while yeah. East Carolina was uh, waiting to take the field. Um, Houston, 6-1, and one, SMU, 7-0. You could, you could make the argument for Houston to be ranked right now. I mean, You could. You could make only, the argument. They're, they're 6-0 and in their last six. I mean, granted, they're – Best win is honestly probably ECU. Um, I mean, outside of that, they beat Navy and Tulsa. And they blew out Tulsa, blew out Tulane, blew out Grambling, blew out Rice. They lost a close one to ECU. That's their best win. Now, they're a one-point favorite at home against a 7-0 SMU. Mm-hmm. SMU is not getting enough love right now. Um I think SMU wins this football game. 
Um, but it's this. This is going to be one of the most interesting games all weekend. I'm I'm looking forward to this game. Um, what, what what time is that kick? Seven o'clock, ESPN two. Okay, so I'll be flipping back and forth on that one. I mean, looking at the matchup index or predictor on ESPN, I've never seen it this close. It's fifty point one percent SMU, forty nine point nine percent Houston. Like it's wow. that close. I mean, look, these are these are these are two good teams. You know, Houston, like like ECU is Houston's best win, and we are a three and four ball club. But this is a trap game for SMU. I expect a little bit more uh, fans to be in the stadium than what we had this past weekend in Houston. I, I, I know a lot of the fans were like, "Screw this, we're just going to go home. We're not going to wait for this kick," and that's what they did. I do expect the stadium to be a little bit more lively. I expect Houston to be a little bit more lively. I think it's going to be a good game. Like you said, I think it's going to be one of the better games of the weekend. Uh, but FC, SMU is not getting enough love. I think they walk into Houston and win this game. They're a really good ball club. Um, and I, I think they have a date with Cincinnati. I think they understand the goal. And the goal is to is, is to meet Cincinnati, um, you know, somewhere down the line. So, they, I mean, they, SMU does play Cincinnati regular season. Now, if college game day doesn't go there for that game, and these two teams are undefeated, ten and zero at that point, you you would have you would have a number two Cincinnati and possibly a fifteen or sixteen SMU. Like game day would have to be there. I mean, you would think that if SMU runs the like runs the table and goes into that game ten and zero against Cincinnati, they've got to be to me. They're a top ten team in the country. I mean, you're looking at they beat. I mean, they beat North Texas. They beat Louisiana Tech, which is a decent uh, group of five conference team. They beat TCU by 12 or by eight points. Uh, blew out SMU or blew out South Florida. Beat Navy. Blew out Tulane. Coming into this matchup against Houston. I mean, this going into the next three weeks, they, they could easily be – they could easily be – a top ten team in the country. Do the poll the pollsters put them there? Probably not. Probably but, not. No. But I think that this team is capable of being a top ten team in the country right now. Um, Tanner Mordecai, dude, is an absolute stud. Um, looking at his numbers, he's he's got twenty nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. Twenty nine touchdowns, seven interceptions already. So that that's insane. Um, Lastly, before we, before we uh, hop off, let's uh, let's break down this ECU or ECU USF game. Excuse me. Um, so ECU is now a six point favorite. Last time I saw, at home against the Bulls of South Florida. Uh, already, we, all, we already talked about what ECU needs to do. Um, 56 and a half. What are your thoughts? 56 and a half. And the spread has moved to, the spread has moved to ECU as a nine and a half point favorite. Yeah. Cause I, I can see this being like a 30 to 27 finish or a 30 to 20 something finish. Um, so I, I would probably take the over um, for me, you know, ECU's defense, keep doing what you're doing. Keep that same energy, keep that same pace. I'd love to see a defensive touchdown, by the way. I'd love to see a pick six or a scoop and score in this game. I think we have a golden opportunity uh, for our defense to get one on the board. 
Um, offensively, this has got to be one of those, you know, one of those games we talk about. You got to, you got to, you got to show up. This guy, this has to be a two lane kind of performance. In my honest opinion, this can't be a Charleston Southern kind of performance or even a South Carolina type of performance, because like I said, South Florida is going to pull out all the stops um, and, and, and they have nothing to lose. So they're going to go into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and give it everything and give it a go. So I, I think, you know, defensively, we got to keep pace offensively. We need to we need to go for a blowout. I mean, we, we the goal has to be we want to score seven every single time we're on the field. Um, I, I got ECU. I, you know, I, I got to go with the home team. I truly believe we are a better team than USF. We are a better football team. Uh, sometimes we don't prove that. Sometimes we don't show it. Uh, but I think this Thursday night we will, you know, under the lights in a blackout game, we will get the job done. Give me ECU 30. I'm going to say USF. I'm going to say 27. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stick with that 30-27. I think we went by field goal. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to take ECU to win this game. Um I mean, USF, they, they've played some really tight games, but I, I just I think ECU's going to come out hungry after the way they lost the last two games. Uh, as long as they can stop the rush and or at least hold USF. USF's a good rushing team. They're, they're going to try to run the ball up the middle. If, if you can stop that and, and uh, keep them off the field, then you're going to have a good day. Um, so, yeah, give me – Give me ECU, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go over, and I'm gonna say it's gonna be a higher scoring game. I think it's gonna be like a 42-35 game. Okay. Okay. So that's it. Already, any final thoughts? Um, nah, man. I, I I'm actually I'm fresh out of ideas. You know, you know, people, wash your hands, wash your butt, stay healthy, stay right. safe out here. That's all I got. All right. Well. You heard it here first. Uh, go Pirates this weekend. Uh, and Artie, uh, we, got, we got some football to play under the lights. Yes, we do. Let's go. Yes, we do. Let's get it. Deuce.